0: Let's pray together. We confess and agree today together as your people that we believe in you. You are the common denominator. You are the one who binds us together. You are the one who makes us one. So, Lord, 2,000 years have not dimmed the reality of this creed power that it holds, the truth that it holds, the truth that sets us free. So, Lord, once again, by your Holy Spirit, I would ask you that you would take these feeble words and you would bless them and would you would use them to meet the need of each heart that is open to you today. I tell you, Lord, that we love you, that you are worthy of our, our love, our adoration, of our obedience. In your precious name we pray, and all God's people agreed and said, Amen. You may be seated. That was a good amen. If you have a Bible with you today, I'd encourage you to turn to Joshua chapter 1. Follow along on your Bible, your device, whatever you have. I'll be getting to Joshua one in just a minute. I need to make a few comments. Let me just say this. Um, let me let me start out here and just get this kind of out in the open at the very beginning to all of you. This is this is not goodbye. This is See You Later. Uh, we're going to be around here for a few months. We're, we're, we're retiring. We're not dying. <laughs> At least not that I know of. Um, so what that means is we'll probably be back sometime. I think odds are that, uh, that we'll be back sometime along the way. And uh, we, we still you have a little card there. It has our phone number. has our email on there. I mean it's like um, you know there's technology today, we're not like those missionaries that got in the boat and told their families goodbye, we'll never ever see you again, we're going to the other side of the world and we'll die over there, it's nothing like that, so it's not goodbye, it's see you later, and hey, if we don't see you again on this earth, we'll see you, we'll see you in heaven, and that's where the big party's going to be anyway, you just thought last night was a big party, you wait till, wait till we get to heaven. Talking about last night, how embarrassing was that? Um, I mean, the whole thing, not just the, the coonskin cap. <laughs> thanks, Skip, for that. Uh, we were so blessed. We were so blessed by your words and by your gifts. Connie loves the ring and howling guns, Allen guns, you get that. that. That works for me. You know that. Um, but uh, just thanks for coming. I just admit so much for all of y'all to be here. It was barbecue. I mean, I know, but still, you came, and so thank you. Um, you 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 honored us, and we thank you so much for that. Um, yeah, you, you know, I, I want to talk for just a minute. If I've, I'm having trouble with my paper today. I wrote down, I wrote a sermon, and I've been adding notes as I've gone along because things keep moving along. Keeps try. There's some people I really want to acknowledge today who, who came to this event because they. They go back pre-12th Avenue, and and I just want them, I want to acknowledge them today. Jimmy and Debbie Burkett, you need to stand up just for a minute. Um, Jimmy Jimmy and Debbie were in my church in South Carolina, and um, Jimmy was a leader in my church, and he was the treasurer of our church. He was my CPA, Uh, and Jimmy and I grew up in the same community. We played Little League Baseball together, okay? We go way back. And Debbie was our children's worker at our church par excellence, and so they came all the way from South Carolina, didn't even tell me, and just showed up and called me Thursday afternoon and said, we're in town, you stay standing for a minute. Roger and Sarah Cheshire drove up from Eldorado, Arkansas, they were part of our journey when we were uh, student pastors in South Arkansas, and Roger and Sarah were both in the youth group, and uh, Roger has three brothers, and I was, I've been I've close to all of them, um, just a uh, And you, and many of you have prayed for Roger. Roger is the the man that the horse fell on about 10 years ago now, 8 years ago, 7, 3, I don't know, what? About 8, almost 8 years ago, and the doctor told him he would never walk again. They looked at his x-rays and they said, this is impossible. Can we give God a hand? And uh, he runs 5Ks now, and he walks, and glory to God. And my brother and his wife came. You need to stand up. Y'all met Some of you met them last night. Um, they came all the way from South Carolina for this, and um, they have been role models for Connie and me. We learned a lot about marriage and parenting from them. Uh, I, I, my brother was a little bit ahead of me. He's a little bit older than me. But I got to see him living his Christian life in front of me and doing it faithfully. And I was so blessed. I had a father who was a man of God, and I had an older brother who was a man of God. And I felt like I was doubly blessed for that. And I just want to tell you that again, Ray, how much it meant to me. And um, he has taught Sunday school in his church for 57 consecutive years. Told him he ought to get a tattoo out of that. (laughs) My son Brad, stand up, Brad. Some of you were not here last night. This is my oldest son, Brad. Many of you have never met him. He lives in Knoxville, Tennessee. He's married and has five children. And uh, it was a blessing to have him back with us. Our younger son Ben is not here because his wife struggled with cancer right now, so he couldn't be here. So, can give give these folks a hand for me yeah well um, let me set this up a little bit this morning uh, before we get to Joshua Connie, Connie and I came here in 1994 um, as a lot of you know the history of that and some of you were here then if you were here in the church in 1994 when we came would you will you stand up I'm just kind of curious Who was here when we came? All right. Well, it looks like about 10%. Okay, (laughs) y'all can be seated. Thanks for being here. These folks have endured the whole time. They ought to get a medal. Those of you who know the history, some of you who know the history of uh, of that and you remember those days, Um, if you remember my story is that I came here and I'd gone through some difficulty in my church in South Carolina, and 12th Avenue had, um, had gone through some difficulties, too. And so what I like to tell people is that a, a wounded pastor and wife found a wounded church, and somehow we, we healed together is the only way. I know to say it, and those of you who go back to those days can appreciate the depth of what I am saying. Um, and so I think the fact that all of you are here today, in a, in a real sense, is is a, is, a, is a miracle, I think, of God because it would have been easy, it would have been easy for it would have been easy for me to step away from ministry after what I went through, and it would be easy for this church to have kind of just gone away, split up, divided, hither and yon. But it seems as though uh, God had other plans. And so we look around this audience this morning, and we see what God has done. Glory to His name. So I came here, and, and and to be honest, I was kind of, I was kind of scared of church people because I didn't know what they might do to me, you know. And you were skeptical of a new pastor coming in, and what he might do to you. Uh, it kind of cuts both ways. Peck was here for just a minute. He was on his way to, to preach at another church this morning. Peck Lindsey came through here. He was your interim pastor. I just have to. Kudos to Peck. He came in and he, he bridged the gap between the pastor before me and my coming. And he, he did such a great job of de-escalating, is that what I might say? De-escalating everything that was going on in the church and calming everybody down. Um, and so I, we owe him a debt of gratitude for, for setting up this church for when I came. And just sidebar, I'm very confident that John Sapp will do the very same thing for you, that he will be a wonderful bridge. He is a great man. I don't think you could have chosen better an interim pastor than John Sapp, so um, I I believe he's going to do a great job for you. So in these last 24 years, we've been entrusted with growth. When I came here, a, a big Sunday would be if we got over 200, today a big Sunday is if we're over 500, we have transitioned from traditional worship to contemporary worship, we've transitioned from Sunday school focused to life group focused, we've added staff people to to handle the growth, and uh, the last few years most of the people have been people who've come right out of our congregation, which I feel blessed because we know those people, they have our core values they're going in the same direction, and and we trust them. There's a level of trust already there, so that's been a blessing. We continue to send out missionaries of our very best, that is our own children, to the mission field. We've sent out uh, three families from our church in the last eight years, and if you look at the wall when you come in, probably at least half of those missionaries have roots back here. They grew up here, they went to school here, Um, What a blessing it is to not only be a supporting missions-minded church, but to be a sending church. And we know our missionaries, and they know us, and they feel connected to us, and that's powerful for them. In these 24 years, we've grown community ministries uh, around here, folks from our church have I think you believed me when I said your gifts and skills may be for outside the walls of the church and God blesses you and you get credit for doing things outside the walls of the church just as much as inside and so we have seen you, you invest your dollars and your sweat and tears in multiple community projects around here and we give God the glory for that. We have an ongoing missions program. We have an ongoing short-term program. Every year we go to Mexico two or three times a year. And God brought the calf carts into our congregation, which have such a burden and passion for that. And many of you, many of you, uh, well over a hundred, maybe a couple hundred, have gone on short-term missions to Mexico and been exposed to that opportunity. Dr. Shalip is is here somewhere. Corey, where are you? Where is he? Ah, taking the kids to the nursery. God bless him. (laughs) Bonnie, is that you? I can't see that back there. That's his wife. Dr. Shalip and and Christ First Counseling Center, what a blessing they have been to us and to our community. We've partnered with them for the last uh, four or five years and, and give space to them and and, and it's just provided a distinctively Christian counseling here for our community. And for me, it was just such a blessing to have that to offer to our congregation. And let me just tell you, I believe all of us at times run into things in our lives when we get stuck. And there's no shame in saying, I need somebody to help me walk through this. And just, uh, I bless you. I bless you to seek out that kind of encouragement to, to move on when that happens in your life. And so, uh, I think it's been relevant. We've never, just by word of mouth, we've gone from one day to two days to three days. We're up to four days a week now that we have a counselor here for our community. So, um, I'm happy about these things. These are things that we have been able to do with God as our helper and and, and you as the co-workers with this. So, our perspective is this. God has been, work, been working through 12th Avenue Baptist Church now in this community for 56 years. It's been my privilege to be here for roughly the last 24 years. All through the years though, it's been the work of God. And I couldn't help but think back to Marable Hill Chapel when I was there and the cornerstone, the cornerstone of one of their buildings says this, this is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. And I couldn't help but think about what a theme, what a theme for us as we think about all of this. Yes, Alan Connie got to be here and be part of it, but you did too. But it's God's doing that he has done all through these years. So whatever we look back and we say we say glory to God, we give him the praise for that. It's been our privilege, it's been your privilege to be a, it's been a team effort. It's been a team effort. And God has done um, exceedingly more, I think, than any of us ever dreamed to be candid. So it's time for me to pass the leadership baton. It's the season of our life. And, you know, I just believe this, and I've said this to you multiple times. Let me say it again. The future is as bright as the promises of God. Nothing in God's Word has changed. The promises that I have stood on are the same promises that you have stood on and that you will continue to stand on as you move into the future that God has for you. And it's a bright future. I am believing that your best days are yet to come. Why do I say that? I say that because Joshua 1 is still in your Bible and my Bible. Let's hear what the Word of God has to say, Joshua 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the hittite pisca excuse me all the hittite country to the great sea on the west no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life as i was with moses so i will be with you i will never leave you nor forsake you be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land i swore to your their forefathers to give them be strong and very courageous be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. The grass withers, the flower fades. And with the word of God, it abides, it endures forever. May He bless the reading of it today. Joshua, Joshua has been Moses' right-hand man for forty plus years. We meet him. In Exodus 17, when they went to battle with the Amalekites, it's that battle where Moses was leading them, and it says that as long as Moses held his arms up, that they won the battle. And his arms got tired, and you remember, Aaron and Hur came alongside and held his arms up. And all good leaders need people that hold their arms up. Be sure to do that for your next leader. You, You need to do that. Joshua went up on the mountain with Moses, When Moses got the Ten Commandments, you remember that? He was there along with him. And he came down off the mountain, and there was Moses. And he had a leadership moment because these guys had made a golden calf. You remember that? Moses had to deal with that. That was a leadership test. All good leaders face leadership test along the way. It's not easy to be a leader. Joshua was in training. He was learning through that time. We continue on. All through this, Josh was being trained. They get to the promised land. God says, I want you to go out. They said, we want to go spy out the land. <clears throat> Actually, it was not God's plan. They went out because they wanted to see before we went there. They should have just listened to God and crossed the river and took the land. But no, they sent out 12 spies. You remember that? 12 spies in Numbers 13 and 14. They came back Ten of the twelve said, it's a huge land, and we're like grasshoppers in their sight. We can't conquer that land. Two of the twelve, Joshua and Caleb said, we can take them. God is with us. That's the Joshua. So, Joshua has been being groomed for 40 years as a leader. Moses died. Moses was quite a leader for them. Deuteronomy 34, the last... Three verses in Deuteronomy. Since then no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all those miraculous signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his officials and to his whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. Wow, Moses was quite a man, quite a man. So, we get to Joshua 1, and right out of the gate, right out of the gate, what what does God say to Joshua? He says to Joshua, he says, Moses, my servant is dead, get ready to cross the Jordan. What he's saying is, get over it, it's time to move on. We've got things to do, we've got places to go. That's what he is saying to Joshua. Joshua. Yeah, Moses is a great man of God and it would be a temptation to just kind of to camp there and look back. I was thinking about the verse in the New Testament where it says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. And that, that, that verse really has this idea of, of looking back and hankering for the old kind of life, to go back to the way that it used to be. But The application is uh, that I like to draw from that is there's always a temptation to succumb to nostalgia. You know what nostalgia is? Nostalgia is the good old days. The good old days. You remember the, the good old days. Think with me for just a minute. When were your good old days? Think back. Was it when you were a child, a teenager, as, as, a, as a young adult? Was it when you were in college? When do you think were the good old days? Now, let me just tell you this. I don't, I don't know how to break it to you, but they weren't so good. Because all of us do this, we tend to idealize and glamorize and romanticize about the good old days. And what we do is we remember the good things from the old days. We don't remember the things that weren't so good, you know, and if we went back through the life of Moses, and look back over his leadership, there were some dark days, there were some tough times, but we tend to romanticize, and I just want to tell you in case you wondered, uh, these 24 years here have not been without their challenges. You just walked in the church last week and you say, oh, this is a great place. Nothing ever said, ah, no. <clears throat> There's been some challenges along the way. We tend to look back and think about the good old days. And the nation of Israel, was they, were, they succumbed to this. They, they, as soon as they got out of the, Egypt and they're heading to the Promised Land, they were like the first difficulty they come to and they're eating manna. They say, oh, we're sick of this manna. If we could just go back to Egypt. Where we had uh, leeks and onions and cucumbers and all this variety of foods. And it's like, yeah, you were slaves in Egypt. What was so great about that? Who wants to go back to that? That's selective remembrance will do that to you. Now, Moses is dead, but God's plan is moving forward. So, God gives them a word of encouragement right here, right at the very beginning of the leadership of Joshua. God gives them a good word, and He tells them in this passage, there are things that are never going to change. He says to the people of God, and I say to the family of God this morning, there are things that never change. Change. So I want to just tell you this: that that you know I'm I am no Moses. Okay, okay. I'm not I'm not dressing in those clothes. Okay. Uh, I have filled the leadership office here for almost 24 years, and that is changing. And the next guy may or may not be Joshua. I'm guessing he won't be. Okay. But God will send you a man of God. And God will give you what you need, and there are three wonderful gifts that God is going to give you, and they're right here in the text in Joshua 1, things that are unchanging. The first is this, we still have the unchanging Word of God, verses 7 and 8, be strong and very courageous, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from out your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So we see that God is going to lead Joshua, yes, but it's always going to be grounded, rooted, established in the Word of God. It's always in the Word of God. It's always based on that. We see three things about this. It says, the law was not to depart out of Joshua's mouth. Well, What does that mean? It's not going to depart out of his mouth. It means he was to talk about it. He was to speak about the truth. And, and this is the, the passage we have in Deuteronomy 6 where it talks about parenting. Remember, it says to us as parents, is to talk with your children, to talk with them as you go along the way. When you sit down, when you lie down, when you rise up, to write it over your doorpost. It was, it's, it's to be part of our language. We should be able to talk about God's Word and the truths of God's Word and how it works in our lives. Second, he says you are to meditate on it day and night, to, to ponder it, to consider it, to roll it around, to think about it, to give attention to the truth in God's words and that's why we memorize scripture and that's why we write down verses on on note cards and we put them as screensavers we do things to help us remember God's word because it is where we get grounded and he says there he says and then be careful to do everything written in it you see it's not a, enough to talk about it and it's not enough to just memorize God's Word and ponder it and meditate upon it. we got to live it out. we got to do it. So talk about it, think about it, do it. Hear me, the Word of God is a rock. It is a rock that you stand on, and sometime in the storms of life, it is a rock that you cling to. But I will say this, God's Word will never fail you. It is a consistent, faithful, objective standard to guide us. Sometimes we talk about knowing. How do you know God's will? And there's a a subjective part of that where we try to sense the Spirit of God in us and what He is nudging us, what He is urging us to do, what He is whispering to us to do. I think all of us should have a little fear of that. I'm fearful of that because I don't trust myself because sometimes I want to hear certain things and I fear that what I hear whispering to me are just my desires. And so we also need what? We need an objective standard and that is the Word of God and it is a compass. It is a compass to guide us. It shows us our true north. This trustworthy word that Joshua started with Do you think it served him well? Do you think it guided him? If we could fast forward to the end of his life, to the final charge that Joshua gave to the people of God before he died, he says this in Joshua 23, verse 6, Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or the left. And I love this. You see, these are bookends to his life, to his leadership part of his life. At the front end it says, the Word of God is our standard, it is our guide, we're going to stand on it, and when he gets to the end of his life, it's the bookend. He says, I've lived my leadership years by your Word, and I'm telling you again, I'm telling you again, don't turn from this Word, stand on this Word. You know, it's uh, in our Constitution and Bylaws that this book is our rule of faith and practice. It's not only what we say we believe, it's how we live here. And I will say it to you one more time. Some of you have heard this many times. Don't ever believe anything because Al says it or any other man who stands behind this pulpit says it. Believe it because it's in the Word of God. Always compare what you hear to the objective standard of the Word of God. So I tell you today, that is not going to change. You still have the Word of God as your guide. Number two, what do we learn in this passage? We have, second, the unchanging power of God, and that's why they had to sing same power today, Tina. That's why we needed to to hear that today. We have the same power. Uh, He promises to give them a land. If you remember our story from the greatest story, remember God promised Abraham he's going to make him a great nation. Remember that? Genesis chapter 12, and then he had a son Isaac, and then he had Jacob, and then Jacob had 12 sons, and they changed the name of Jacob to Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel. Joseph went down into Egypt. God multiplied the people. If you're going to have a nation, you have to have a lot of people. So God gave them a lot of people. Then God raised up a leader. His name was Moses, the precursor to Joshua. He was their leader. He was the leader that guided them. So you have a nation, you've got to have people, you've got to have a leader. Then they went to Mount Sinai and God gave them the Ten Commandments and all the laws. God gave them a culture. And now, they're standing at the brink of the promised land, because if you have a nation, you got to have people, you got to have a leader, you got to have a culture, and you got to have a land. And God is about to give them the land. And He says, it's my power that is going to give you this land. And then, right at the very beginning, and I'm not going to read it, but in chapter 3, they come to the Jordan River. Do you remember what happened at the Jordan River? They came to the river and it said it was flood season and the river was out of the banks. And they're like, how are we going to cross the river? God said, have the the, uh, priests carry the Ark of the Covenant down into the river. And as they went down into the water, the water stopped flowing. And they went across on dry land. Have we seen this before? Have we heard this story before? Maybe at the Red Sea 40 years before? You see, God is, saying, God is saying, look, you know that story. All of them have died except Joshua and Caleb. But all of you have been taught the story of how at the Red Sea, they went across on dry land. And just so you know that the same power that was with Moses and you at that point, I'm going to open up this river for you to cross on dry land. Francis Schaeffer in his book on Joshua says this, the power was there, and the power was the Lord's. The power is not in anything or anybody independent of God. It is the same power throughout the whole Bible, and God's power is not diminished in our period of history. It is the same power, past, present, and future. Today, we live in the power of God. Tomorrow We will live in that same power. Jesus said, All power has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. And he said to his disciples, You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and all Judea, and in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And this same power that parted the Red Sea and stopped the Jordan River that Jesus said, this power has been given to me, and He gave to His disciples. He has given to every one of us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. The same Holy Spirit that guided them and led them and prompted them lives in us, lives in you. And He's going to continue to live in you after Al steps off of this stage. That will not change. The power of God is undiminished, undiminished. And we need this. We need to know this power. I was thinking back to the faith of Joshua and Caleb when they went and looked in the land and they came back and everybody's saying, the the people in the land are giants. They're giants in the land. There's too numerous, there's too many, they're too big, they have walled cities, and I just want to tell you, you're going to face some giants, and you're going to face problems, and you're going to say, there's too many, and the walls are too high, I, I can't breach those walls to overcome that adversity, whatever it is. And I just want you to hear me today, the same power lives in you. The same power is undiminished in this period of history, it is the same power. So same word, same power. Number three, we still have an unchanging leader. Moses met this God at the burning bush, you remember the great I Am. He led them, God spoke to him and then led him. Later in Joshua 5, Joshua encounters him too as the captain of the host of God who promised him the victory over Jericho. We get to Joshua 1.5 when we hear these words, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I just want to tell you, the head of the church, and somebody alluded to this earlier, the head of the church is King Jesus. He's our leader. He's the leader of the church universal, and He is the leader of this local body. He is the leader of Twelfth Avenue Baptist Church. He is our leader. That leadership will not change. It does not change. It cannot change. We have His promise. The Great Commission, uh, at the end of the Great Commission, it says, and surely I'm with you always." to the very end of the age. It's pretty powerful. Last week, I'm I'm after the service here and and, uh, and David and Becky came up and they had Levi with them. And Levi came up to me after the service yesterday, last Sunday, excuse me, and he quoted this verse, the Great Commission. And he looked at me and he said, and he looked at me and he said, and Pastor Al, God is going to be with you to the ends of the earth." I mean, it's like a prophecy, you know? It's like a prophetic word. So I speak that to to you as well today. Surely, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. The very same promise that was given in the Old Testament, was given again in the New Testament, in Hebrews 13:5. Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Jesus Christ, the same, yesterday, today, and forever. The same God, <clears throat> the same God who was with Moses at the burning bush. The same God who was with Moses at the Red Sea. The same God who was with Joshua at the Jordan River. The same God who gave us a commission to go into all the world and make disciples. The same God promises you and me that He will be with us to the end of the age. The same God. Eugene Peterson, writing about his theology, he describes the truths that we receive in the Bible, and he uses a word, he describes them as, as livable. Livable. Sometimes I think people read the Bible and they think, well, that was good for them back in those days, but you know it was different back then. Everything was different back then. It was easier back then. Surely, surely it was easier back then than it is now. It's, re- it's really hard today. I don't know if we can really, you really expect us to live by that today? And God says, Yes, I do. And yes, it is livable because the same power, the same power that was in Moses, the same power that was in Joshua, the same pi- power that was in the early disciples, the same power, the same Holy Spirit lives in us and all the truths, all the truths of God's Word are livable. So today, we join with our brother Moses and our brother Joshua and a host of brothers and sisters through the centuries and we fall on our face before God and we worship Him. He will be our leader for whatever we face in the days to come. He will empower us with the same powerful spirit that He has all through the centuries. He gives us this word that is still totally, totally trustworthy, totally livable for whatever circumstance you or I will face in the days to come. So, as it says here in the scripture, three times, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Cling to God's word. Depend upon his power. Lean hard upon the very unchanging presence of God. And I think if you're quiet and you're still, You may just hear, maybe not an audible voice, but you'll hear it none the same that says, I'm right here with you, right now, right here, right now. And by the way, not really a gospel message today, but I got to say it one more time because I can. The good news of Jesus is for you. And so let me say it one more time. Whoever you are, wherever you've been, whatever you've done, the gospel of Jesus is enough for you. You build a box to hold all your sin and God's box is bigger. His box of forgiveness and grace and hope. And if you need that word, that word is for you. And I believe that and I stand there. So, I come now to the kind of the last ten percent. And this was a phrase that goes back to when Grant was here. Didn't you love him in the car last night? <laughs> Who's the favorite? <laughs> Can't play favorites like which kid's your favorite, you know? Brad is, right? <laughs> he will tell you that. But we had a phrase when Grant was here, and it was, uh, it was the last 10%, and that was after we discussed something, we talked about something, when we got all the way down to brass tacks, to the bottom line, to the naked truth, to being totally vulnerable, the last 10%. came to me while I was working on my message this week. What came to me this week was this message was for all of you, but it's also for Alan and Connie. Because you're about to go on a new adventure, but so are we. So are we. And and as I as I studied and I prepared this week, I, I realized that I needed to know that God's word was not going to fail me. And I needed to know that the leadership of Jesus was there for me and Connie. And that same power, the same Holy Spirit would go with us to Rock Hill, South Carolina. So I'm not asking you to stand on anything that I'm not asking us to stand upon. I, I, I think I need to say this again. I, I came here I came here not really wanting to love a church again, because I'd loved a church and it, I'd been hurt. I just I came here, I was just I was just gonna do my job. I wasn't gonna memorize people's phone numbers because I used to know everybody's phone number. I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna be kind of objective and 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 Connie and I we 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 can't do that. We we can't live that way. Um so once again our the church the local church captured our heart. You captured our heart. So, you have been our church, you have been our family, you have been our friends. So, it's hard for you for us to leave, but it's real hard for us to leave too. Um, Because we're changing location, but You will always be in our hearts. Uh, That's just that's just the truth. It's time to pass the baton. I I didn't want to stay here too long. I didn't want to be that guy that said, "Yeah, he should have left about five years ago. He kind of lost his A game. He should have moved on." Uh, I wanted the church to be healthy, and it is healthy. If you're new to Twelfth Avenue, our church is healthy. We have a great staff. Um, if you saw the video last night of the three grandchildren, we could have made another video with Brad and his family and five grandchildren who are back in the southeast. If you're a grandparent, i don't have to explain to you why we need to go. You get it. You get it. I want to tell you that I am full of optimism and hope for us, but I'm also full of hope and optimism for you. The future is bright. This is God's church, and He's going to be with you. Remember this. Unity is a hill to die on. Love each other well. And again, hold on to those lollipops I gave you. That's important. That's your reminder. Love each other well. That's all I have to say. Let me pray with you. Father, thank you. For my brothers and sisters, words are not adequate uh, to express how much they mean to Connie and me. I thank you that you let our paths cross for these 24 years. Good days, bad days, lots of real days, but you have been in it and we are blessed to have been part of that. So we thank you and give you the glory for you're worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I was told I was, oh, they're coming. Look at this. Without any prompting, our present Pathway Director and our Pathway Emeritus, Kathy Vickery. I need a drink of water.